This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Coming up on today's show, Nintendo is short on Switches, Netflix is launching their game service, and Kim Wallace is here. What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm one of your hosts, Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Brittany Brombacher. Hello! And special guest, the features editor at Game Informer, Kimberly Wallace, is back! Yay! Yay! I'm happy to be here. We're so glad to have you. We were talking before we kicked off recording tonight, and Brittany pointed out that it's been three years since you've been back on the show, and that is just criminal. That's messed up. I love Sad. doing this when guests come back on, because I always like to look at what we talked about the last time you were here. So, the last time you were here, Kim, I was apparently in the Alaskan wilderness celebrating my 30th birthday. That's how long it's been. Those wow. are the days. <laughs> yeah. So, Andrew and Steimer are joined by Kim Wallace. They discuss the dump of Battlefield 5 news, Fortnite's $100 million esports bid, and Xbox's new adaptive controller. Hands-on include Detroit Become Human, State of Decay 2, and a slew of titles from pre-E3 events, including Days Gone, Kingdom Hearts 3, and Call of Duty Black Ops 3. Four. I think there's four threes, four knots. Anyway, it's been a hot minute since you've been here. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, welcome back, I guess, is what we're trying to say. It's well, good to have you. thank you for having me back. Well, Kim, we have lots of stuff to talk about with you today, including some games from Japan. Surprise! Who would have yes. thought we talked to Kim about games from Japan? But before we get to that, I want to say thank you to our Patreon producers, Chewie's Gatsa and Alex Rogopoulos, David Icolucci, Ferris Atia, Justin Foshi, Matthew Goddard, and Punkdefied. And welcome to our Patreon community, Scott Bechtel. If you guys want to join our Patreon community and help support our voices in video games, you can do so at patreon.com slash what's good games. And Brittany, this is a doozy of a podcast reviewer name. You're trolling us, but you know what? You left us a five-star review, so you're getting your fucking shout-out. All right. Thank you to 153839625639920639910, who says, nothing but love for this podcast. Thank you all for an amazing show every week. Well, thank you, 153839625639920639910. We appreciate your review. Yes, Brittany, you nailed it. That's clearly a call out to near replicant, right? (laughs) Clearly. I mean, it could be. It very well could be. That's a very long number. What what is that number in that game, Kim? So I asked Yoko Taro about this when I interviewed him. And he was like, I didn't want it to be like compared to a remake, but it was a little bit more than a remaster. So then I was like, all right, I put this number on it. And he's like, and now I don't even remember it. And I can't really tell you what it even means. So <laughs> Yoko Taro, everyone, love them. Honesty is the best policy. Japan. Yep. Well, we have some headlines to get into 
And before we do that, I want to let you know that today's show is brought to you by Felix Gray, HelloFresh and Postmates, but we'll tell you more about that later. First up, it's all about Nintendo. I feel like we've been talking about Nintendo a lot in the news lately, which Mm -hmm. is no surprise. Like, we love talking about Nintendo, but this is not exactly the kind of story that we like to hear. They're going to be making 20% less Switch consoles than expected through March of 2022. And this story comes from one Game Informer. Nintendo is going to be making 20% fewer Switches than expected, according to a new report from Nikkei Asia. The 20% reduction translates to roughly 6 million fewer Switch consoles as Nintendo originally planned to manufacture and ship 30 million Switch units by March. Nikkei Asia reports that, as planned, the number has been reduced to 24 million. Now, you might expect the reason for this reduction in production is chips, or rather the ongoing shortage of chips. Guess the same chip shortage that has made buying video cards, new vehicles, PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S consoles is the same shortage, of course, affecting Nintendo. Now, despite this decreased target number, the demand for Switch, of course, remains high. In fact, if the production was able to meet the demand, there's a very good chance that Nintendo would have hit its 30 million target number. Nintendo's original goal was 25.5 million in the 2021 fiscal year that ended next March, but now that number doesn't seem likely because of this shortage. However, The Switch is nearing 100 million units sold, having sold a total of 89 million Switches since its release back in March of 2017. Wowzers! That's a lot of consoles. consoles. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean... I was going to say, what a comeback after the Wii, huh? I was just looking at, again, 13.56 million units was the lifetime sales number for the Wii U. 13 million units, friends. Can you believe that shit? That always blows my mind. Anyway, this is awesome. This is lovely. I mean, it's awesome that Nintendo has sold this much. Obviously, the fact that you can't get them and they're not going to be able to ship as much really sucks. This is something we're seeing across the industry in general. I did read a story that made me kind of chuckle. So apparently, PlayStation is sending legit like Boeing 747s. They're sending entire ships full of PlayStation 5s to the UK. Like, that's what they're doing. They're whole, they're fucking taking these big old airplanes, loading them up with PS5s and shipping them across overseas so they can make the shipments for the holiday season. Oh, because um, of the cargo ship backup yeah, yeah, that's happening? Yeah. yeah, it was just made me laugh. And I'm like, okay, well, clearly they had the PS5 manufactured. So I guess Sony and Nintendo are in a little different positions here. But it just made me laugh. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much that affects their breakage, right? Like, how much that really impacts financially their bottom line having to pay for jet fuel to airlift them over versus taking you know like a big tanker ship curious that would be kind of curious to find out yeah apparently each plane can bring in 100 tons of equipment (laughs) so i was just like huh that's you know that's a lot of pf5s man on an airplane um a lot of people want their consoles they do the amount of people i know that still don't have PlayStation 5s and Xbox Series X is kind of shocking now that we're a full year into the, well, almost a full year into the console generation. You would think by this point that people who wanted them would be able to readily buy one, you know, at a store somewhere. But And the chip shortage is no joke. It's really affecting all kinds of industries and, you know, cell phones, TVs, you name it. Um, Britt, what is this? Mm -hmm. Hi, hello, I have an update. Oh, yeah. Okay, so we're going to pivot. It's another Nintendo story, but it has nothing to do with the Switches. So, ladies, 
in let me find here April 2021. So just you know, seven months ago, we reported a story on this very podcast that you're listening to. Maybe it rings a bell. Maybe not. Andrew and I were very pregnant. It was called Nintendo of America and its president Doug Bowser are suing hacker Gary Bowser. Do y'all remember this? Ah, yes, 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 I do. I ah. almost added to the show notes, and then I was like, does anybody care? Ah, you know, it comes full circle. Brittany cares. So I just <laughs> want everyone to know that Gary Bowser has has pled guilty to these charges because he was being a very, very, very naughty man and working on um, hacking, pirating stuff for the Switch since 2013. And at the time, what the article said is that he was going to be sued for damages that equate to $2,500 for each traffic device and $150,000 for each copyright violation. So he just pled guilty to charges of hacking and now must pay, anyone anyone want to guess, $4.5 million. I was going to say, it's got to be a lot of money. I didn't give you long to guess, my bad. But $4.5 million and up to 10 years in jail. So he's going to jail because he can't pay. Yeah, well, obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now he's helping the government find all those little hacking friends. He's like, well, I mean, sorry, he's got to make a plea deal, deal right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Wow. So I just thought we could close that story. You know, it's come to a conclusion. Don't be a don't be a bad hacker like Gary Bowser, which, again, like just the irony in the names. That does it for me right there. And you know? he admitted it probably because they had so much evidence that he was like, mm-hmm. I'm screwed anyway. Yeah, um, he originally denied it for a hot for a hot minute there, and he's like, "Okay, you got me." I think that it's important that people get prosecuted for stuff like this because then it makes it feel like there's actually penalties. Because so many of these kind of intellectual property crimes feel like they go unpunished, and now it's very much like the hey, there is a place where the rubber meets the road, and you can't just think that you can get away with these things. And Nintendo protects their their IP very fiercely mm-hmm. oh, and yeah. is not afraid of being litigious. So I'm not shocked, but dang, yeah. $4 million. Wild, right? And I mean, Kim, you know this too. There are so many good, especially I think about old JRPGs that just haven't mm-hmm. seen the light of day since they originally released on like the native console, right? I mean, I understand why people want to pirate games because a lot of those games are gems and there's just really no easy way to play them. But just let this be your warning. Nintendo cracks that whip, like Andrea said. And don't end up like Gary Bowser. Don't be a a Gary Bowser. No. Don't be a Gary. All right. Well, thank you for that update, Britt. (laughs) Moving on to a more serious story. Slash kind of sad story. Blizzard co-leader Jen O'Neill is stepping down after just three months in her role. This write-up comes from Eurogamer. Jen O'Neill, who joined Blizzard as the new co-leader back in August, has announced that she's stepping down from the role and will leave Activision at the end of the year to explore, quote, how I can do more to have games and diversity intersect, end quote. O'Neill, formerly the boss of Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy Studio Vicarious Visions, was hired at Blizzard's or as Blizzard's co-leader alongside Mike Ybarra following the departure of Blizzard President J. Allen Brack, who left amid the fallout from the state of California's ongoing lawsuit alleging sexual harassment discrimination and a frat boy work culture at the company uh o'neill wrote i'm not doing this because i am without hope for blizzard quite the opposite i'm inspired by the passion of everyone here working towards meaningful lasting change with our whole hearts Yabara will now lead Blizzard effective immediately, and O'Neill will transition into a new position uh, before leaving at the end of the year. She's going to spend her remaining time at the company determining how to utilize a $1 million 
Activision grant that they've agreed to give to the nonprofit organization Women in Games International, which cultivates and advances equality and diversity in the global games industry and on whose board O'Neill serves. So I'm not going to read the entire story. If you guys want to check it out, of course, Eurogamer.net is the website. But I wanted to bring this up because, you know, we never really got a chance to talk about everything that happened with the Blizzard lawsuit because it happened during Brittany and I's maternity leave. And while I don't want to rehash that whole business because who really wants that kind of a downer right now? Um, I think it's important that they are making this financial commitment to diversity and to bring more voices into the video game development. However, I want to express my sadness that mm-hmm. one of the few female leaders in mm-hmm. video games, particularly at a massive company like Activision Blizzard, is leaving and now is once again filled by a male-only voice in that leadership role, and that is a bummer. Yeah, say to say to say the <laughs> least. I mean, this is just another huge blow. I mean, especially when you look at everything that's happening with Activision at Activision Blizzard. I feel like there's just not a lot of confidence right now. I mean, we know that they are making steps. Um, Everyone has their own opinion on what those steps mean and how much they really matter. But I think when you did have a woman in that leadership role, that it instilled more confidence than not, right? They're like, okay, like this is, this is the look we want to see. And for her to be stepping away for whatever reason it is like, you know, maybe she got a better offer somewhere. I mean, I, I hope it's nothing nefarious, but hopefully, you know, she just got, offered a bomb ass uh, gig somewhere it makes you wonder like what are they gonna do to make this i don't want to say make it right but you would hope in the coming days maybe there'll be another appointment of someone right in that position yeah it's weird to me that they didn't uh they like oh we're searching for a replacement for her role or anything they just they're like ah we're just gonna leave it to mike for now um and like I said, you never know what's going on behind the scenes. She could have maybe taken the position and not been happy. She could have, as Britt said, got a better offer. We don't We don't know. Um, but, yeah, the fact that that role is not being uh, refilled, uh, kind of, kind of weird to me. Yeah, I think, I mean, this is all just speculation at the end of the day, right? Like, that's a lot of what we're doing here is just kind of like, armchair quarterbacking yeah what's going on uh, inside Activision Blizzard and maybe she got in there and was there in the role for a couple of months and was like hey this is just too much red tape for me to deal with Mm -hmm. and my mental health means more to me than me trying to fix a problem that I didn't create Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't blame her for saying hey I can't fix this because you guys have essentially tied my hands in the bureaucracy of a corporation as large Mm -hmm. as Activision Blizzard And until they really make some meaningful change in the way that change is implemented inside the company, I think that they're probably going to continue to turn away people who could really do good. Now, that's just a theory. I don't work at Activision Blizzard. I don't know if that's what's going on. I really do hope that, you know, she takes her time and continues to make an impact in the video games industry like she said she wants to do and hopefully can continue to do it in a big way. Though I think having, you know, a female voice inside Activision Blizzard at that seniority level is super important. So I hope that Blizzard finds somebody to replace her. Yeah. It would be the smart move. Yes, it would. Yeah. 
Yes, it would indeed. And I do have another update on the Activision Blizzard earnings call that happened, but we will get to that in just a minute. Because right now I want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Felix Gray. Felix Gray glasses are the blue light glasses that started it all. Five years ago, Felix Gray realized that blue light was creeping into more and more of our busy lives. So they set out to create eyewear that would improve daily screen time. And since then, Felix Gray has been on a mission to create a better relationship with technology. Felix Gray lenses filter 15 times more of the most important blue light sources in your life, whether it's your computer screens, your cell phones, your gaming devices, even LED light bulbs in your house could contribute to blue light in your life. Now, whether you're heading back to the office, back to school, or back to wherever, you can count on Felix Gray. Visit felixgrayglasses.com slash games to get started on picking out your glasses today. Now, I personally love my Felix Grays. I'm not wearing them right now because I'm going to tell you, I'm sleep deprived and I don't remember where I set them down. They're in (laughs) one of the rooms of the four walls of this house, but where they are, I don't know. being real here as an overtired mom. That doesn't mean I don't love wearing them, and I'm definitely going to find them as soon as the show is over. But if you want to get your own Felix Gray glasses, either in non-prescription or prescription, you got to check them out at felixgrayglasses.com games. That's F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y glasses.com games, where you can get free shipping, free returns, and free exchanges and choose from a variety of really cute frames. I'm actually overdue to buy a new one. felixgrayglasses.com games so they know that what's Game sent you. This episode of What's Good Games is also brought to you by HelloFresh. So we talk about it a lot on this show. But what is HelloFresh, you may be wondering. With HelloFresh, you get fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. So the holidays can be hectic, but HelloFresh helps keep things simple with recipes and ingredients that cut out grocery shopping and limit meal prep time so you can spend more of the festive season with friends and family. As fall transitions to winter, there's nothing better than cozying up with a comforting home-cooked meal. Get your soup on with recipes like chicken ramen and shoyu-style broth, or enjoy the potato pillowy goodness of turkey ragu gnocchi, That sounds really It's in my box this week. I'm so excited to make it. And it's been raining all week in Washington. That sounds so good right now. So we love HelloFresh here at WGG because it's a can't beat value. Even at full price, it's over 30% cheaper than grocery stores. And with this holiday deal, it's time to try for even less. So you know what Andrea has in her box. I have the chicken cutlets with lemon cream sauce and barbecue ranch chicken flatbread coming in. Mm. That... Lemon cream sauce is hands down my favorite. Jason always gets mad at me because I use like 75% of it for my one meal. Um, and then he's like, <laughs> he's like, hey, what happened to it? Where's my cream sauce? I know. Sorry. Love you. So if you want to try the lemon cream sauce that I'm raving about, go to HelloFresh.com slash What's Good 14 and use code What's Good 14 for up to 14 free meals, and three free gifts. To try America's number one meal kit, visit HelloFresh.com slash What's Good 14 and use code What's Good 14 for up to 14 free meals and three free gifts. Our next story is all about Netflix, but no, we're not talking about Squid Game. 
though I would love to talk about Squid Game at some point, Netflix games are coming to all members on Android starting next week. Excuse me, starting this week, as in right now. So this write-up comes from TechCrunch. After early tests in select markets, Netflix announced today its debut lineup of exclusive mobile games will begin rolling out to all members globally on Android devices. And in July, the streaming service first confirmed its plans to enter the mobile gaming market, calling games another new content category for the company to offer to its subscribers alongside movies and TV. So I wanted to bring up this story because I think it's interesting because so many people... Whoa, what happened? What happened there? What's the... What, Brittany? What, oh, no. What's the face? Okay. Oh, no. So I never like to waste whiskey. Never, ever. So I had a drabble of seventeen ninety two left. And then I have a whole bottle of Angel's Envy. So me, being the fucking amateur I am, poured the seventeen ninety two in here. And then I poured the Angel's Envy in here. And oh my god, it tastes like a rotting carcass. Wait, you mixed recommend. them together? Absolutely, I did. What? A Brombacher <laughs> custom blend. <laughs> it's awful. Never <laughs> hire me to be your bartender. I will make all of your guests very sick and they will hate your wedding. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what happened there. I was just too sleep deprived to give a fuck. But let me tell you, I give a fuck right now because this tastes like shit. So I'm just going to shoot it and be done with it. Well, there you go. Oh, wow. Damn. Whoa. Woo. All right, Netflix, uh, what? Are you up now? I'm something. <laughs> I'm something, Kim. <laughs> you're something. Well, you're going to be real fun in about five minutes. Ten minutes, maybe? Uh, probably maybe. three. I'm a lightweight. Three now. minutes. Perfect. Um, so back to the story. <laughs> I was talking about this because so many people like to use this term Netflix of gaming. Uh, who's going to be the next like Netflix of gaming talking about Game Pass or PlayStation Now or Stadia, right? Well, meanwhile, Netflix is a service that exists and is installed on hundreds of millions of people's devices around the world. And they are like, yo, we're actually going to do our own gaming thing. Now, I think that they're probably just starting with mobile gaming because clearly mobile is the biggest market share of gaming right now. It's where profit margins are the biggest. No surprise that they are on a lot of mobile devices. Why not start there and make it easy? <laughs> Maybe don't start with like a $100 million MMO, right? Oh, um, who and did that, so, <laughs> you, you know, I'm not, I don't want to name names. Um, <laughs> but I think it's interesting that they are going specifically after the games that are tied to their properties, like the Stranger Things game. Um, and they're also acquiring studios so for people who miss the news they acquired game developer night school best known for oxen free to help build out their library of course oxen free a great narrative game night school known for narrative stuff kim what do you make of netflix getting into gaming it's something that i'm really curious about where they're gonna go and i thought night school was like a slam dunk for them um based on their narrative games their games also have like I don't know, like a movie feel to them that felt mm -hmm. good for me. Um, but we've seen other, you know, companies like Amazon try to get into gaming and have mixed results. I think it uh, depends on who they're targeting, the talent they bring on board, and what exactly they do. So I'm curious when we see more of it, but for now it's like I really don't know what to make of it and what they're really 
going for quite yet. So until we see something, it's really hard to know. But yeah. they have obviously the budget and money to be able to invest. And like I said, it could go, you know, similar to Amazon. It could not. I mean, they they have stuff to see not to do right now and examples and examples of what works. So it just mm-hmm. depends who yeah, they enlist as, and what they do. As we've seen, if you got a lot of money, doesn't mean you'll be able to make your way into the industry. Right. You know, exactly. Google and Amazon. Well, Amazon's like doing okay right now. I guess people like their MMO. Anyway, yeah, when you look at these games, so you have Frosty Pop Shooting Hoops, Teeter Up, and Rogue Games Card Blast. And to access them, so I'm reading this, you tap on New Games tab in the Netflix app for Android where the games are listed. After selecting a title, you're directed to the Google Play Store to install the games as you would. Okay. And you need a Netflix membership. Interesting. So is the idea like, I'm just trying to see, like, how, how do they envision this going down in their head? Because I don't think anyone's going to install Netflix specifically for the game. So I'm assuming correct, when correct. you're in their app, they're going to be like, yo, you should check out this cool game called Shooting Hoops. You know, I feel like, like if they're targeting kids in particular uh-huh. who are like, oh, I want to because I don't know. I get everything from my nephews who just like if they <laughs> see a game, regardless of if it is, you know, I'm always like, eh you know, you could be playing better things than this right now, but they see, like, the, you know, game that they can download, and they'll download it right away. No mm-hmm. questions asked. Well, low-hanging fruit, right? Mm-hmm. And I also, this to me smacks of, like, market testing. This does mm-hmm. this, this to me does not sound like their gaming strategy. This sounds like we want to test the waters, which is very smart of them, yeah. right? Instead of having, like, a flashy Google Stadia-style rollout of being like, this is our streaming service with games, and we're going to attempt to do AAA and then, quite honestly, fail at it. Um they're like, we're going to test with a couple like really small games, see who kind of bites at this, and then we'll see how our tech is working, and then we can maybe slowly ramp up, which is what I really was hoping Stadia was going to do, mm-hmm. is kind of like mm-hmm. soft launch, and instead they went really hard with their launch and kind of fell on their face. Now, it's interesting that Netflix is built on Amazon Web Services, though, so they're technology is still backed by Amazon. Um, but I don't foresee Netflix and Amazon as direct competitors because it feels to me like Netflix is motivated to only work with IP that's currently within their stable or potentially only original IP. And so I don't think we're necessarily going to look at getting a Stadia style or even an Xbox Game Pass style service from Netflix. So what Netflix game studios is going to become, I think is yet to be seen. Mm. If only we had a crystal ball, Andrea. We yeah. can rub it. Oh, the shot's hitting me. Great. <clears throat> Good. Here Just it comes. feel Here it comes. the heat. Just give in to that feeling, <laughs> that nice, relaxing, warm comfort. While I go into some in case you missed it. So Marvel's Midnight Suns has been delayed to the second half mm. of 2022. Originally supposed to come out in March. It's now delayed to the end of the year next year. These extra months, quote, will be used to add more story, cinematics, and overall polish and will be essential in helping us make our vision a reality. So that's part of Fire Access's statement that they put out today um, about why it's being delayed. I think, you know, delays are just so common these days. It's almost like, why does anybody have release dates anymore? Nope. Uh, as I mentioned, I'd be touching on the Activision earnings call. Another huge delay 
Is it huge or is it expected? Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4 are both being delayed, most likely out of 2022 and into 2023. Wow. Yikes. That's a big old yikes. That's a big yikes. Yeah. I mean, it's not super surprising, I guess, with everything going on. It is interesting, though, because I think it was in August that during their earnings call, Activision Blizzard said that they had just passed like an important milestone with Overwatch 2. And then I think it was at that point that Diablo Immortal was formally delayed or officially announced as delayed. Mm-hmm. And with the Diablo 4's director just being let go, I think, in August, right, from the all the allegations and whatnot, it's not surprising to me. And, like, game development is hard already, let alone being in a pandemic, let alone with all the shit that that company is going through. And when you're dealing with IP like Overwatch and Diablo, I feel like those games just, well, I don't know about Overwatch specifically, but Diablo inherently, I feel like is just notorious for always just getting pushed back, back, back. I mean, that's a huge game and there's a lot riding on it. Yes. So cool. Not surprised. I'm okay with it because listen, I have enough games right now to last me probably to the end of my end of my life. So <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> yeah. No other video game was ever published from now until the end of time. I think we'd be good. Quite honestly. We really would. We really would. There's a lot of games out there to play. That is for sure. But mm-hmm. I still want to play some of the games that are coming oh, up. Yeah, oh yeah. God of War, I'm looking at you. <laughs> also, Harry Potter Wizard Unite is going to be removed from the App Store, Google Play, and Galaxy Store on December 6th and will be shutting down on January 31st, 2022. Wah, 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 wah. You play this at all? I, I like did. It. Yeah, I played yeah. it with um, the kind of funny crew when I was still living in San Francisco. We'd like take lunch break uh, walks and go out and play, or we'd play Pokemon Go. But we did a bunch of Harry Potter Wizards Unite, and I think this game failed because it's just too complicated. People want a really simple interactive AR experience and that was the genius of Pokemon Go. It's literally like you could walk and play with one hand and just swipe the Pokeball, right? But Mm -hmm. like Wizards Unite had all these spells and it got really complex and they added in all these like RPG elements and not to say that people don't want that in a video game, but I don't think they were looking for it in that type of AR video game and so not surprised that this game is like... "Mm." You know, well, also, it only made $40 million in consumer spending, Andrea. Well, clearly they didn't incentivize that's, enough people to buy stuff. That's, like, no money at all. Uh, but <laughs> As Brittany throws her braids over her shoulders. I, right? I looked at some other numbers. Yeah, and by comparison here, Pokemon Go has accumulated $5.5 billion over its Yikes. lifespan. Yikes! Just yeah. a slight difference in revenue. Very, very slight. <laughs> oh lord have mercy well there you have it what a failure you only made 40 million in consumer spending you plebes niantic get your shit together but like honestly that might not have even covered their development costs 40 million seems like a lot of money but when it comes to game dev that's not actually that much especially when you're working with a licensed product like harry potter in the license yeah yeah i guess i didn't realize when you said that you were playing it during your kind of funny days that it had been out that long i feel like it just came out maybe like last year but clearly that's very incorrect yeah i think it's been three years um, wow. So not long. Uh, Wizards, I'm Googling yeah. night uh, launch date. It looks like June 21st, 2019. Okay. Yeah, so that was just before I moved. Literally like three months before I moved. 
Huh. And then Niantic also has their Pikmin game out, right? Which just came out. Yeah, Pikmin Bloom. Okay. Kim, have you tried there, that yet? That's very simplistic. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. Okay. I've so, like, is it. it not worth anybody's time? Skip it? Uh, I I haven't played it, but um, Jill, who's um, on the Game Informer staff, did a preview of it, and I had read that, and the vibe I got from her preview was that it was too simplistic almost for its own good. Like, Mm-mm. you want simplicity with a game like that, but at the same time, like, there wasn't any big hook uh, to keep you playing. So, again, I haven't played it. It's based on what her impressions are, which you can check out at GameInformer.com. Um and read but yeah i'm good plug look at that little plug there good plug very, very sly very sly but no like i said i w- i didn't even know that was coming out till i read that and then i was like oh i can see like nothing's gonna really dethrone pokemon go as we know like they just no. did that so well <laughs> they sure did Ah, uh, Britt, remember when we were going to like plan a- <laughs> i don't know what you're talking i don't know where you're going with this andrea wait where are you going with this Oh, I thought you were going to do a call out to how much money I spent on Pokemon Go. I wasn't. I was going to do a call out to how we were going to plan a, a Pokemon Go bar crawl at PAX West. And then we never got to do it because oh. COVID. Oh, see, this is, I didn't have enough idea. faith in you. You were going for something completely wholesome and I completely yes. derailed your thought. My apologies, oh. my lover. I'm sorry. That's okay. Sorry. I forgive you. I would never shame you. Listen, I have my demons of how much money I've spent on mobile <laughs> games. Okay. <laughs> 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 yeah, I could spend a lot of Pokemon Go back in the day, but I don't regret it because you know what? That was such a fucking fun summer. That and you lost weight. Time. You lost like what, 10 pounds, right? Yeah, I lost a lot of weight and I was able to wear my high school clothes. Hey. That's Same. the dream for us all to be able to fit into our high school clothes right. again. You bet mm. none of them are fashionable anymore, but. Except they are. They've all come back into fashion. Wait, wait no, like that's what? my high school clothes. I forget. Not your <laughs> high school clothes, my high school clothes. <laughs> I was like, what? The bell bottoms? What's happening? No, they'll probably come back in like five years. Don't worry. Five years, the bell bottoms will come back. No. The mini backpacks were all the rage when I was in high school. Oh, man. They are back in a big way. Yeah. Yeah. I wait. I want the Jinkos to come back. I'm just saying. I do not. (laughs) They were so comfortable, though. They were. so much better than the tight-ass jeans we wear with no pockets now. Those things had pockets for days. Yeah, the skinny jeans are on their way out, which means that I need to get rid of literally every piece of denim in my closet. I just went through it because I was realizing that I'm coming up on two years of not going anywhere because of the freaking pandemic and i'm like entering another wardrobe a winter wardrobe change of the pandemic and i'm like wait a minute there's all of these clothes that i still haven't worn because i still haven't gone anywhere because people still aren't getting vaccinated (laughs) and i was like well i guess i just i'm out of the i'm out of fashion now i have to get rid of all of these clothes and just start over i still get my monthly stitch fixes because it like reminds me of the old days Oh, good for you. But I mean, I just send most of them back because like, what am I going to do with this really cute pair? Like the shirt or these shorts or like these jeans. I have dresses with tags on them still that have been sitting in my closet for a year. Oh, yeah. Nowhere to go. All dressed up, nowhere to go. Oh, yeah. You're making me miss seeing you guys at shows. I know, Kim. We haven't seen you at IRL in too long. I know. Oh, come to the Game Awards, Kim. Just come on out to California. It's very tempting. Just do it. It's going to be great. All right. On that note, let's take our first break of the show. When we come back, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. Stick with us, everybody. We'll see you in a minute.
Welcome back, everybody. It is the second segment of the What's Good Games podcast. And it's brought to you by Postmates. Mmm, do you smell that? That's right. It's chicken pad thai, one of my staples. The pad thai from this place in my neighborhood called Pad Thai Guy, literally that's the name of the place. That's all they do is specialty pad thai, is literally the best. And I crave it so much that I have to get it almost every single week. And they have these bomb egg rolls. Oh, who doesn't love a good egg roll, right? So it showed up at my door because I ordered it with Postmates. Now with Postmates, I get all of my favorite foods from local restaurants in my neighborhood delivered without having to leave the house. And even better, now getting in the car or finding a parking spot or having to put my baby in her car seat, which we know she all hates and screams her head off at. I digress. And Postmates isn't just all burritos and sushi, even though, no shame, I get plenty of burritos and sushi on Postmates as well. I can order things like toothpaste and phone charges on demand too. That's because Walgreens and 7-Eleven are also on Postmates. And my favorite part is when the app lets me know that my food or my items have been delivered. Everything is right outside my door. I don't even have to interact with everybody. Keep it all COVID safe. It's so cool. You guys, it never gets old. All you have to do is download the Postmates app on iOS or Android and find your favorite foods or that one thing that you forgot to get from the store, get from the store and get it delivered on demand. And for a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners a little something. New customers are going to get 50%, that's 50% off of your first five orders of $50 or more when you use code What's Good. And let me tell you, it will not take you a long time to rack up $50 a step. That's code What's Good to get 50% off your first five orders of $50 or more with a max savings of $100 per order. Just download the Postmates app and sign up online. It's super easy. Offer is subject to change and taxes and fees may apply. Offer is valid for 30 days after you add the promo code to your account. Now you're thinking about Pad Thai. Just do it. Download Postmates. Ladies, you both have been playing Shin Megami Tensei 5. And I'm so glad that Kim somehow serendipitously picked this week to be on the show so that Brittany has somebody to chat with about it because, spoilers, I'm not playing Shin Megami Tensei 5. Uh, so <laughs> who wants to go first? Yeah, well, I'll just start off and saying again, thank you, Atlas, for the review code. And I talked about this. Was that last week? Yeah, it was. Was it? I don't know. I believe it was. Yeah. Uh, when that was in the preview embargo. Was up. Yeah, that was um, like a week ago. Okay, cool. Uh, I unfortunately have only maybe put another like five hours in or so <clears throat> because of my five-month-old child. Um, but, Kim, you have put like how many hours into this? You are so much farther ahead. And I am 40 so hours. happy. 40 hours. 40 hours. Okay, so I'm going to pass it off to you. Because this is my first Shin Megami Tensei game. Oh, now, it's your first one. This is my first, yeah. So what about you? Uh, not my first one. Uh, long, long Shocking. Time fan. Shocking. Long time <laughs> fan of the series. Uh, okay. You know what? I reviewed four for Game Informer uh, back in the day. I gave that an 8.5 if I remember correctly. So weird how I can just remember uh, certain scores to things. But you know what? The... Shimigami Tensei series, I always liked because there's just this feel to it, like this dark tone as soon as you step in that world and you know that things are going down 
Um, the world's not in a great state, and the game kind of challenges you sometimes throughout about like your worldview, ideals, chaos, law, alignment, usually you're choosing between on it. Um, this one is obviously a big deal because four, you know, was on handheld and, um, they didn't really have like a big space to, you know, make the game, uh, like they can do on switch. So switch adds a lot, you know, first time the graphics look a little spruced up. I think the demon designs are probably the best they've ever been and they've done in the game. Um, and the verticality um, of the world is a huge thing this time around. Um, being able to platform and jump around, like the world is so, every area has is so densely packed. Like they feel empty because it's a post-apocalyptic world, but Tokyo rather. Um, and, and you're walking through it, but there's just so much to find when you explore and all these little hidden paths and nooks and crannies and uh, sometimes it really does take a lot of patience and experimentation to find different, like, items, pathways, secret bosses, quests, all that. Like, all that I really, really love. Um, so I, I find all this is, like, a bigger... this The Switch allows, like, a bigger venue for an SMT game that we haven't had for a while. And I think they made a lot of smart changes but still stayed true to the series roots. So people worried like, oh, are they going to make SMT easier? Or like, you know, as some people worry, like the series is known for being punishing. I always tell people playing SMT on casual is like playing um, any other game on normal. Um, mm -hmm. So look at the difficulty levels on, on that thing, uh, like on that perspective, because you're going to have bosses that really challenge you. There's the press turn systems back that was really popular with three um, turn based battle system at its finest. You're exploiting enemy weaknesses. You're recruiting demons to your side. It's got like that Pokemon feel. SMT actually like preceded Pokemon in a lot of ways in a lot of ways and so a lot of that stuff comes from it that you got the fusion that you can do with the demons you recruit that's a lot of fun um and you're always thinking um on how you can best use your turns and as somebody who plays a lot of rpgs especially um who loves turn-based combat nothing satisfies me more than the challenge of the smt battle system which can make you sometimes pull your hair out because I'll have like, I'll step into a battle and not know what to expect. And a boss will just like annihilate me on one shot. And then my mind goes, how can I present prevent this from happening? And so this time around, you have more customization with your skills. So you can actually really change the tides of battle by just um, experimenting with demon fusion. You have these skills called like you can take demon essences and that means essentially you can take their skills and transfer it to your main character or other demons if you really like a certain skill and then on top of that for your main character you can also borrow demons affinities so if you find like a demon who can block like light and dark attacks and physical attacks like i'm always like hell yes my character is inheriting all that so i can stand it or you get into a boss battle and you realize hey this character is gonna throw this really like threatening attack 
I need to be able to have a bunch of uh, demon in my party who block lightning. And I love that little, like, thought in my head of, like, how can I best this? How can I beat this? How can I be two steps ahead of everything? Question, Sensei. Sensei, question. Okay, so this is just for me. So as this being my first uh, SMT game, it doesn't really... When I'm playing it, I'm wondering, like, am I supposed to be spending this much time air quotes here, grinding, finding the perfect demons. Am I supposed to be getting annihilated and then take that info with me into the next time I try attempt this boss fight? Am I supposed to be spending all this time trying to just purely optimize my party? Is that the name of the game? And these, is that what you're supposed to do? Or am that I like over? Essentially okay. I tell people to take the best way to play SMT is just to know that you're entering a really punishing game. And you should expect that you're going to die, but you should also expect again, like you're going to learn how to, like I said, learn from those battles and make your party stronger and better. I didn't really have to, there are a few instances where I'm like, I'm under leveled for this battle. Obviously I need to go out, but for me, it really was about experimenting and getting better demons in my party and then finding Mm -hmm. ways around. And the new essence system really helps you in like say you have say you realize you're at a boss and you're like oh i this boss is weak to dark skills i don't have any demon right now with dark skills that's dangerous um i can use essences to fuse them i can either fuse different demons that then have that skill and put myself at an advantage because if you exploit their weakness you get extra turns and sometimes like it's so satisfying to just see your turns pile up As you hit criticals, as you hit, like, because criticals will do that as well, and the weaknesses, and, like, I just love it when I feel in that rhythm, or, like, you'll watch and see, like, uh, characters um, absorbing this uh, maga sushi, I can't think of- I know what you're, I pick up what you're putting down, yes. Yes, like, so if you execute enough attacks, you fill a bar, and then you can, like, um, use your special skills, so it might mean, like, your characters hit- Criticals, no matter what they throw down their next turn. Or you can restore a bunch of MP, especially if your party's low on it. Like, there's different abilities. But now your enemies also have access to that. So when you see them absorbing all that, like, guard the next attack. Because they're going to be coming in with something real hot. And you want to make sure you're, you know, having the damage that you're going to get from them. And it's just being smart about that stuff and watching, like, for patterns and... Um, making sure, like I said, you have a party that can stand. And sometimes it is it is a frustrating game sometimes. I think I was I was telling a friend, this is like, those victories are so satisfying, but then there are times where this you feel like this game is just against me and I just would like curse at the screen. I mean, my, my fiance can attest. He's like, yeah. I was like, oh, I don't think I've, I think I've really like held my cool, like reviewing SMT5. He's like, Kim, you've been screaming at this game. I can hear you from the other room. And I'm like, no, I, th- I think I kept my cool. But like, for me, it's like, um, you can feel like the game is trying to just like do use everything against you. But then I'll figure out the solution by just doing a few more battles, a few more demon fusion. I'll be like, this wasn't as hard as I made it out to be. Now, that being said, I think I think it was around like 35 hours or so. Um, I started to hit like a huge difficulty spike where enemies were like 20 levels above me. No. And I felt 
Yeah, and I felt like, and now, I, and then I felt like I had to grind, like, really much from that 35 to 40 hour mark. And that's even, like, when the choices that you have to make sometimes on, like, what's best, because essentially you're recreating a new world for people. I don't want to spoil how what it takes to get there. I mean, if you're an SMT fan, you know the battle is always light and dark, demons versus angels, um... And your character becomes part of recreating a new version of Tokyo and trying to save it. And then you get to decide as a player, like, what does that mean? Do you think a world needs some sort of order? Do you want to tear everything down and just go with chaos and be like, what is has been working is not working? I mean, those are decisions that you have in your hand. The problem I have with Five is they come really late. You only start to touch on, like the interesting stuff at the 35 hour mark for me anyways, with how I played. And I think I went through it faster than I think like a newer player, just because I've played so many of these games. Um, Mm -hmm. And that to me is too late to start to get interesting. Um, SMT four, I felt like had decisions like that come in a little earlier. And what SMT does is it asks these like philosophical questions and conundrums about the world and like, I remember I really liked something in SMT4 where they asked you, like, well, is it fair if someone has an advantage because they're, like, born, you know, tall for basketball? Or, like, you know, where where do you go with that? Like, with certain advantages, do you reward that? Do you not? And it asks these interesting questions, and there's, like, a lot of different ways you can look at it. And what I think is... What what most excited me about playing this game in twenty um twenty one when I played SMT four in twenty thirteen is like I feel a lot differently about the world than I did like a decade ago. You know, <laughs> like it's really interesting to have those questions, but they just come really late in the game. And I'm hoping with where I'm at right now, where it's starting to pick up, that there are interesting um answers to that and interesting paths to my choices but I just I can't say it's why even for Game Informer like right now I don't have a score on the review because I feel like that's a really important element to what makes these games fun um I like a lot of what it's doing it's but it's also doing a lot of archaic stuff I think Brittany you can attest like you have to have save points in this game and you might lose progress I mean SMT is known for that whole like one battle, you make one wrong move, you're not paying attention, you could lose everything. And I hate losing progress personally. Um, oh, yeah. But there are oh, a I lot love of it. points. I love losing progress in games. I feel like it's a challenge that I'm rising to. Well, that's and I'm like, like take... Will- no, Kim, I'm being facetious. I know, like, but I'm saying people who will argue the, that... Why is that a game mechanic? Can we just, like, strike that from game dev? Well, that's like, what I'm saying. It makes it. me mad that people will argue that that's difficulty. Having a save point or not is not, to me, difficulty. Yeah, like, that maybe. upsets me. Um, even here, like, I'm like, I have to make sure my game, you know, I have time to, like, put it on the charger because I don't want to lose something if I can't find a save point. Or it'll just be like, you get out of a really tough battle... And you're like, I need to go save, but you you accidentally get, you know, in another battle that could wipe you. But there are things as you go along, like you get, um, as you go on, you get a press of a button and you can be teleported to every save point. Um, I just got that. That has been the best fucking thing ever. Yeah, okay, it, it's, it's really nice. Sensei. Uh, another question for you. Okay, so... Mm-hmm. 
Is it fair to say then that you want to play this game more like you would play a Pokemon than a Final Fantasy? In the sense that it's more about, at least for the first like 30 hours, it's more about the team you put together and you need to dedicate the time and effort into putting this team together rather than than just flat out grinding. It's more about the affinities, the strengths, and the weaknesses. Is that a correct statement? Okay, got it. Because like the thing that you want to find, once you find the complementary skills, once you Mm -hmm. realize like, oh my gosh, this, um, you know, this enemy, this, uh, sorry, demon, you know, can, can do poison. And then this one has an attack that, like, if an enemy is poisoned, is more likely to hit with extra damage based Got on it. that. Like, you find those combinations, and oh my god, it is so satisfying when they start, when you really see the difference. Because even for me, like, I'd have a battle where... I'd go into a boss and I'd completely lose and I'd be mad and I'd be like, what the heck? I got like one shotted on the fourth turn. Why was this happening? And then I went and, you know, fused some more demons, readjusted my strategy. And then I was like, huh, it's funny how much more damage I can do if I use these buffs or if I use this debuff on this. Because buffs and debuffs are really, really important. So are status ailments in this game. Like, you want to use them. And you want to make sure you're paying attention to stuff like that that you can combine um, for further success. And see, I just love that. I love when a battle system gets my mind going, when, you know, it, like... One of my coworkers said, he's like, you didn't tell me this was like a mature Pokemon. I'm like, oh, yes. And uh, the difficulty to go with it tenfold that you have always wanted is right here. I think that you've just like buried the lead of this entire discussion. And I wish maybe that would have come at the very beginning. And normally I prompt people to tell us and everybody listening what games are about. Because I think there's a lot of people out there who have heard Shin Megami Tensei, but have like no idea like what this game is, what the gameplay is like. And you say it's a more mature Pokemon, I think instantly puts a vision in people's mind of, oh, it's a battle system where I have to take into account these different, not necessarily elemental abilities, but some kind of variables that I have to kind of match up against each other. Mm-hmm. And I think as somebody who hasn't played a Shin Megami Tensei and who obviously doesn't talk about a lot about these games at all, it's just not my not my forte, I think is really fascinating hearing you talk about how it seems like this game in particular really makes it those elements meaningful because I think we all have played an RPG where there's stat numbers that feel really arbitrary a lot mm-hmm. of the time. feels like whether it's gear or whether it's abilities, like the stat numbers are just there to be there and they don't actually make an impact. So it's, I think it's really key. interesting yeah. to hear that this game sounds like the, they actually matter. They matter yeah. a lot. The other thing I also want to touch base on, too, and I know a lot of folks hate the whole Persona versus SMT comparison, but, you know, again, speaking as someone who's brand new to this series, mm-hmm. what I love about going to Persona real quick, what I love about Persona is the story. I love the social links. I love yep. getting to know those characters. I kind of love the cheerful, upbeat setting of modern-day Tokyo. What I love about SMT is I love that battle system that, again, yep. originated with SMT, right? It doesn't have just to set expectations because, again, if you're new like me – it doesn't have like that bright, cheerful, lots of character interaction that Persona has, but it has that battle system. And yes. the story right now, again, like 10 hours in, is 
personally, I don't find it very interesting. Um, no. I don't think the desert is this. I don't know how long the desert setting is there, Kim, but like right now it's just this big, massive brown tan desert and it's not fun to look at, but it is fun to explore those maps. Um, but what's keeping me hooked again is that battle system. And it kind of, like you said, the, the mature Pokemon. Um, and it's good to hear that I'm playing this game, what it sounds like correctly. Cause what I was worried about is that I was to use an example here that I was spending like all of my time grinding against, I don't know, like the hogs in an MMO, right? Or a boar in the MMO in the very first level. I'm like, am I spending too much time doing this? Should I be progressing faster mm -hmm. than what I am? Because I feel like it doesn't really do a good job if you're a newcomer showing you like how you're supposed to play and what you should be doing. Yeah. It's just, and this actually is a question we have from Robert. Oh God. Freemaring. Hope I said your name right, friend. <laughs> Isn't he it Freemaring? Freemaring? Probably. Okay, show off. I don't uh, remember. Robert's I mean, sort of, I remember. I don't know. <laughs> Robert says, I don't really focus on one game. I play what mm -hmm. I'm in the mood for, and I'm not quite SMT new, but I'm very interested in five. I've dabbled in three and played some Persona. How well does the game guide you to your objectives? I don't want to get lost if I put down put it down for a few weeks. So how would you respond to that? All right, this game you're going to get lost in. I got lost <laughs> I like many times. Like you're gonna I'm not going to kill with you. Even if there's an objective on the map, like you'll, you have a marker which shows you where you need to go. But you'll realize sometimes as you get there, wait a second, that's like, this is, there's a wall preventing me from going here. And I have to find this like really obscure path up here. It's actually the one thing like navigation and um, clear instructions have never been smt's forte nor has the story so i just want to set all that down okay, that's uh, good that down like story you play the persona games for the story and the characters smt you're playing it for the challenge and the battles and these philosophical conundrums that are really interesting about the world um so I'll put it that way, but like one of the worst parts of this game, in my opinion, is navigation because the game, okay, if you think the battles are punishing, there were dungeons that I would go through that had these fans that would like push you back and sometimes like, and they'd push you forward and sometimes you wouldn't know that you would have like, you go forward and you think you're going onto a platform because you can't really see what's happening. And you'd be like, oh, I was supposed to jump at the very end of that. But how would I know that? And it pits you in a spot where you have to go all the way around and through everything Ew. back again. And that Ew. happens quite a bit. And or like you will just drive yourself nuts. Find Like even right now, I'm trying to find um, some of these things on the map and I'm like, I'm in the right vicinity, but what is the damn path to get up there? Because, like I said, verticality is extremely important. You want to get on vantage points so you can just sometimes, like, look around and just see the path where you're like, oh, I didn't realize way over to the right side there's, like, something you can climb or a pathway there that's, like, looks blocked but isn't that you wouldn't find. Um, SMT will fi 5 will sometimes put out these little... Um, things these little orbs that like restore your hp mp and all that and sometimes it'll guide you to certain paths which is nice but i feel like it's not enough at, at certain points and um it's not an easy game for newcomers to just come in because it doesn't hold your hand you're going to have to like if you've played persona and if he's played um Nocturne, and he says he has a good idea of what to expect from this, but yeah, it's not, 
It's not very forgiving. In fact, one of my biggest complaints is I spend most of my time just lost. And that's how I grind because I'm like, well, I don't, I'm searching for this little entryway here. And this is the best way to do. And I, at least I'm killing some demons. So I, and I'm negotiating so I can fuse some later. So that's helping me. But like, I really just can't find this damn little path that I need to find. It's like a needle in a haystack sometimes. Okay, so I think as like a first time Shin Megami Tensei fan, I would personally, I would say this is a very fun game. Like you said, the mm-hmm. turn battle system, I think that's the name of it, that they made is, is incredible. Yeah. It's, it's very fun, very rewarding. It is almost therapeutic to do the grinding and the demon mm-hmm. fusing and whatnot. So like it has like a yay for me. As you as like a longtime fan, would you like say it's a thumbs up for people to play? I say it's a thumbs up and I say people have fun with it. Um... I do say there are some archaic elements that will turn some people off. There are some punishing parts that I think for some is like, this is just ridiculous. I'm not going to sit here and just grind right now. Like, um, for me personally, I'm waiting to finish because the one thing that has disappointed me is kind of the story beats. Like, I expected them to strengthen some of that and even have... Some of those cool choices that you make come in earlier. Like what SMT4 did really well was it pitted um, different characters against each other and what they wanted and you were choosing between them. And that happened very early throughout the game where you're constantly had like, it was like an angel and the devil on your shoulder being like, you should do this. I want you to do this. I think this is what you should do to make the world better and and make this a be- like it, you know, better place to live. And... SMT5 really kind of puts you in this predictable, like, plot line with the angels and demons having this battle and then lets you see that Tokyo's kind of, you know, in bad shape at the same time. You're trying to help alleviate that, but there's no time to ask these bigger questions that are interesting or have those um like I said, those those interesting decisions that have meaningful consequences. And I'm, like I said, it makes me, like, I was frustrated that it took 35 hours for it to even broach on some of those topics. Mm. And um, and I don't even, like, go into an SMT game expecting much from with the story beyond those basic beats because I know that it's not a Persona game where the characters and story are everything. It's more elevating, like, the combat and the demon fusion and, you know, racking your brain on how you can beat this boss um, and having those, like, you know, larger-than-life battles where you feel like you've really come against the worst of odds and somehow made it through because you you thought smartly about your team and how you're playing. So for me, that was really disappointing. And then, like I said, the exploration and the dungeons... And I find this a common complaint of mine lately. I don't know how you feel about it, Britt, as an RPG fan, but I feel like dungeon design is really difficult for um, development teams these days. I feel like making an interesting dungeon... Um, I, I And maybe I've played so many RPGs where they all start to look the same to me, but they I'm just all like... all just like these corridors that all look the right? exact same, leads to a dead end. Maybe you'll get to a dead end, but have yes, to chest at exactly. the end of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're not I alone. just feel like dungeon design in general like needs like I want exploration to feel fun. I want it to feel like 
I'm not just going through the motions of like, all right, now oh, I've hit this done. Now I'm going to go up here. And like, there's some platforming elements in these dungeons where I think they tried to make that a little bit interesting, but instead they made it frustrating because like, if you miss a jump, you're like all the way back to the beginning and then going around and you're in this punishing setting where like a battle can mean life or death. So it's like... The stakes are so, like, I was sweating, like, the other day, <laughs> shaking, trying to get through this one, like, part of this room I was locked in that had this very difficult path to find. And like I said, I kept knowing I was on the right track, but, like, I kept having, like, something come out that I wasn't expecting, or, like, I would miss this one part, and then I'd be like, oh my gosh, I have to get it this time, because I can't go around this room anymore, it's driving me nuts, like, there are feelings like that. Um, Wait, so why do people enjoy this game again? The <laughs> strategies, <laughs> the demons, the battles, like... Oh, see, I, I think this is why I get so, uh, almost risk-averse when I look at games like this, because mm -hmm. even if I could get into the battle system, which would take me a little time. And I've, since knowing Brittany, I've spent more time in turn-based battle games than I ever thought I would in my entire life. And I think it's interesting hearing you talk about it being a punishing game, because of course I feel like you say punishing game, I think immediately of the diehard fandom of like the Souls series, mm -hmm. you know, and people who really love games like, you know, like Salt and Sanctuary or other kinds of roguelikes, things like that, right? Like super punishing games that are designed to be punishing. And I just, I don't know. I guess I just don't have that itch of like, I really want to have the satisfaction of overcoming that mm. challenge. I really am like, I'm tired. <laughs> so can what you Yeah, SMT is, is, the whole thing about it is like, you cannot let your guard down as you play the minute you let your guard down is the minute you lose everything um and so i kind of like that tension because it keeps me on my toes and i think because i play so many rpgs and um very few actually provide like a challenge like sometimes mm -hmm. they can feel like you're just going through the motions and that's fair this is especially turn-based battle systems i think to do turn-based well you know I don't want it to be where I'm just like spamming attack and I can win. I want it to be like, I've put thought into this and, you know, I know what's gonna, the team I've put together, especially in SMT games like this is going to get net me the victory. But I like being on my toes because I think very few games actually do put you on the toes. And there is something like that can be said for that comfort of having those games where you're just like, I know I'm going to win, like, there's no risk in going into this battle. But with SMT, what I like is there's always a risk, but there's always, like, a great reward as well. Like, when I go off exploring and I find, like, you know, some really cool item or boss, like, even with this, if you go around as you're searching in SMT5, you can find these statues and they, like, level the hell up of all your demons and to Suss those out is worth, like, any risk you put See, yourself See, now to. that's what I'm talking about. Like, to have the risk and the reward together mm -hmm. is something I think is really satisfying for gamers and why you take the risk to get the reward. Yes. I, I, don't, I don't think very many game franchises actually reward players for their exploration. So many of them are like, yeah, go ahead and traipse all over the world and enjoy the beautiful art, and then we're going to give you, like, this, like, bullshit collectible that means yeah nothing. i wouldn't even explore smt 
if it didn't give me like these worthwhile rewards because there's also these little like uh me man that me you man. find yeah they're yeah. little like these little fellas and they're like orange and, and you collect them throughout the world but you bring them back um they're like pawns of this guy named Gustave who um runs the merchant shop and so you bring back to me you'd be like I've collected 10 of these guys and then you get these really cool items that can really like make or break your you know the stats on your demons or even like your own character because what I loved about that was I could go and be like ooh like it'll show you this like the different stats and skills you have so say you like have really like maxed out a demon in lightning say and it's like it'll show like a plus six by it but it's like ooh that's really good but maybe I can get this to plus seven and then he's this this really gonna this tack is really gonna you know put some biatches down <laughs> like you know like you just feel it you just feel it um and it's so satisfying to get those kind of rewards that it may it's making me look for these little guys and they can be so frustrating sometimes where they're hidden or like you're like oh I just had to like really turn around or, or find that ledge up there and drop and like make my character drop down from this ledge so it landed on this very specific area below but like I love getting them because when I get the rewards, they they can really alter my characters and and the success I have in battle. Wow, I have to say this is much more about Shimagami Tensei than I ever thought we would have discussed on this show. Now you know. I think Sorry, it's so this great. Is what no, 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 this is perfect. Do not apologize. I think it's no. amazing to hear about a franchise like this that has been in video games for a really long time. And I, I think I made the joke to Britt when she did her preview that my experience with this franchise is just doing GameStop TV reads for Shin Megami Tensei. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't, like, I never played it. And just like, because there's just too many games where everybody can't play everything. And I love learning about different things like this and really hearing from someone like you who's a super knowledgeable person to really color what this franchise is in a way that's easy to understand. And yes. while I don't gravitate towards those really punishing experiences, we have a lot of people who listen to the show that love skill-based challenges and games. So I think it's been great listening to you talk about the game. It really has. And especially for me as someone who's wanted to get into the series, but like it just it seems so intimidating at the time. I think this is great. And this is a really good opportunity, I think, for people to get introduced to this franchise because it's a great one and I'm having a blast. But it's just that thing of like, am I playing this correctly? How am I doing this? But talking to you, baby girl, has just opened my eyes and I see clearly now. And I thank you. Well, I just want to say there's no right or wrong way to play right like it just takes i think for me even myself i have to tell myself i'm just going to accept that i am going to die at times here <laughs> like you yeah. know i'm somebody yeah. who hates to lose and i'm also somebody who just like very rarely has to see a game over screen when i play my favorite genre like it just doesn't happen and i have to always when i go into an smt game just be like all right kim it's going to happen but you're going to learn from it and that's going to be part of the fun is figuring out the puzzle of how do you pass it. Because a boss will see completely impossible to you at one 
second and then you are like wait a second i didn't think that i could use this essence and block out this attack or like i didn't think that oh maybe i just need more demons in my party that have you know this a light skill that's going to you know that they're going to be weak to and give me an extra turn it's just it gets my uh the wheel spinning in my brain and that's what i love about it like i love this is the stuff i love the the min the maxing this going into the stats thinking through every turn like that's where i find the fun and overcoming those odds that seem really stacked against you and just being like i did it i beat them and then you get really excited and feel really rewarded. And then a few, like an hour later, you're like, oh no, it's happening again. I have to figure out how to, <laughs> how to, you know, you're like, I'm back here again at this thing that seemingly seems impossible, but I know it's not. I know it's just, you know, preparing myself better for the battle at hand. Yeah. And thinking about it differently. Exactly. Well, thank you for all of your thoughts on it. If you guys want to read Kim's full Review in progress? Yes, review in progress is on GameInformer.com right now. Wonderful. Um, so I just have a couple games that I've been dabbling in. So one of them is on my phone and one of them is on my Switch. So I've just started playing Lego Star Wars Battles. So full disclosure, obviously my husband works at Disney in the games department. He has worked on this game and had... Nothing to do with me downloading it for myself. It's part of Apple Arcade. So I already have an Apple mm -hmm. Arcade subscription. If you guys aren't familiar with Apple Arcade, you pay, I think it's five bucks a month and you can have access to everything in the arcade. It's great if you're an iOS user. And I downloaded it because I love the Lego games and I had heard about it, but I hadn't gotten a chance to check it out. And so basically it's like a mobile RTS. And so far... I'm only about, about an hour or two in. I've been having a really fun time with it. And hopefully I'll be able to give you guys an update in like a week or two once I put a few more hours in. But so far, like it's the Lego charm that you love. It's Star Wars. It's the music. It's, you know, Stormtroopers and Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. Mm. It's, it's great and cute. And I love it. Um, but the game that I really want to talk about is a game that I've also just started playing on my Switch called Unpacking. Dude, so I've been thinking about you every time. And I was going to – sorry, I did not mean to – I <laughs> every time I got a press release for this, I wanted to afford it to you. But for some reason, I never did. And I was going to bring it up, but it sounds like you beat me to the punch because this game just screams, Andrea. Just you know like, what's funny about this game is that <laughs> it started playing and John's like, oh, so basically you can do all the tidying in the game that you don't want to do in real life. And I was like, oh! maybe, maybe don't dig me like that, man. It's almost Zing. like Animal Crossing where I'm like decorating in the game that I want to do in real life, but I can't afford to do. Um, so I've got a, a trailer here for anybody who's watching at youtube.com slash what's good games. So Unpacking is a game from a small studio called Witchbeam and it's being published by Humble Bundle Games. It's about the familiar experience of pulling possessions out of boxes and fitting them into a new home. Part block fitting puzzle, part home decoration, you're invited to create a satisfying living space while learning clues about the life you're unpacking. Now, over the course of eight house moves, you are given a chance to experience a sense of intimacy with a character you never see and a story you're never told so you literally just 
click and open boxes and take items out of the box and then like fit them in the room. Put them into cupboards, put them into drawers, hang up towels, fold shirts, put them into closets, decide where you want to put all your little tchotchkes on your shelves. And it's it's really soothing and uh-huh, like relaxing and uh-huh. there's no timers. It's got great music and it's just a chill Zen game where you just literally open cardboard boxes like my everyday <laughs> I mean, life. I'm not shitting. The minute I saw this, I was like, this is the most Andrea game right now <laughs> because I know, I know how hooked you got on Animal Crossing and this is just like an element of that zoomed in. So how does it play on the Switch? Is it comfortable, efficient? Yeah, it's super easy, and there's even touchscreen controls on the Switch, so if you want to, like, drag and drop stuff with touchscreen, you can. Um, I'm still using the Joy-Cons, but um, I, I just love how there's just so many different ways to arrange things in this game, and it's just relaxing, which is what I need in my life right now. It's just, like, a really chill game and it's also on xbox game pass if people are interested which is a great oh, I'm way to downloading it yeah like it's it's just super zen and this I, is a brilliant concept of just like a hey open a box put stuff on a shelf however you want but there is a slight puzzle element to it because mm-hmm. you'll unbox everything and you can't have it you can only have certain items on the floor Ah. and so sometimes what I'll do is I'll unbox and I'll like leave a bunch of stuff on the floor to kind of figure out where on the shelves Mm -hmm. I want to put everything Uh, instead of having to like pick a spot and be like this is the spot where the boom box goes and then I've unboxed like a bunch of other stuff and I'm like oh shit I actually I would rather have it over here um so like my only gripe about the game is that it can feel slightly tedious to pull one item from the box over to a shelf, one item over, one item over. I wish I could just... Like dump uh, everything out. (laughs) Yeah, essentially like open the box and see what's in the box and then Mm -hmm. be like, oh, there are three pairs of socks that I'm going to fold and put into the drawer instead of one pair, one pair, one pair, right? I'd rather just be like, oh, I'm taking all three of these over at the same time, but the game doesn't do that. Um, but I think it's really an interesting idea because they tell a, like there is a light narrative built in because you kind of start in this one place and then you can kind of see items as they continue. And I think what's and I haven't finished it yet. I've, I've I'm only through the first three houses and they some of the items that you get in the first one make it in the moves and some items don't. And I think it's a really interesting look at life, this idea that, yeah, we all pack up our lives and move to different places and some things stay with us and some things you kind of leave behind or throw out, donate, what have you, right? You go through this purge, this cleansing. Mm-hmm. And I think unpacking kind of has this really interesting meta narrative around it. And I kind of, I haven't seen it through to the end to kind of see where it goes. But if you're looking for something that's super chill and relaxing, then maybe unpacking is for you. I've been enjoying it. Good for you. Isn't a happy home paradise out soon too? The Animal Crossing update? It is. So the day the podcast publishes is November 5th. So that's when the update is happening. So I futilely, I don't even know why I bothered like pulled some Halloween stuff out of my storage and 
put up a couple Halloween things and then I didn't even log in on actual Halloween oh. to go talk to Jack. I didn't even bother. I like like pulled some pumpkins out of my storage. I was like, I'm going to craft some new recipes. I crafted like two things and they're probably still in my pockets. I, put, I didn't even place them in the world. <laughs> oh, I, It's just a lot, you know. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you put forth some effort. You did a few things. You know what? Good for you. Yeah. Be, be happy of that progress. Yeah. Yeah. That's all that's all I can do, man. Just doing Just like in real life. As much as as out, much right? as I can get by. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. But that's all I've got for you guys this week. Hopefully next week Brittany and I will both be able to talk about Call of Duty Vanguard, which we're very excited about. Of course, friend of the show, Alexory Korea has worked on that, so it uh, makes me particularly excited to play the campaign. And we'll have more to talk about next week. But Kim, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show this week. If people want to find you, follow you, and read what you're writing about, where can they do so? Sure. On Twitter, I am KSTAR1785. So you can catch me there. Otherwise, I am on Game Informer, uh, GameInformer.com. You can visit there. Subscribe to the magazine. Um, please. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to just stump for a minute for Game Informer and nobody prompted this. I just love the work that you guys do and I love even more that you are the features editor because Game Informer does the best features in the business. And if you haven't taken the time to read a Game Informer feature about a game recently, go pick up a physical copy of Game Informer and flip through the pages and remind yourself what excellent video game writing is because I feel like it's a lost art form yep. and you guys continue to knock it out of the park with incredible access and in-depth features with exclusive information in a way that's just not seen anywhere else. And I just want to give you guys props for the incredible work that you do. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Yeah. That's something that's really important to us. Um, you know, to have entertaining, not only just entertaining content, but important content. And um, features, obviously, is, is my biggest love of anything that I do. And so, whew, you're making there's, me blush here. Listen, there's so, people don't understand how much work goes into those cover stories and into the features oh, yeah. of all kinds, not just the cover stories. And I think it's because there's so many podcasts like our show where we are not only industry professionals, but also fans. And But we can only still just speculate on a lot of things. Mm -hmm. You guys get the access. You go to the studios. You talk to the developers. And you get like boots on the ground knowledge of what's happening in the development space, what's happening from a gameplay perspective, from an art perspective, you know, from music, characters, all of it. And I think that that kind of in-depth reporting, like I said, just is really hard to find in games because you get a lot of what the, the term I used earlier in the show, the armchair quarterbacks of who are like, this is what I think about what's happening, but they don't actually talk to the devs making the games anymore. And there's not a lot of outlets who are doing that kind of you know, access and research. And so if you haven't read Game Informer lately, uh, lately, now is the time to go get a copy. Thank you. But we love you, Kim, the most. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Aww. thanks for being Look on the me, show I'm this blushing. week. <laughs> <laughs> well, you put in the hard work. Take, take all the praise. 
You guys do great stuff. And uh, where can people follow you and and uh, on um, social media, not just Game Informer? Oh, it's KSTAR1785 on Twitter. Wonderful. We'll put her links in the show notes for everybody listening who's like, I want to go check out what Kim's doing. You can do so later. Just check back in, click on the link, and you will see her profile. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. We will see you next week with special guest Mari Takahashi. Have a good weekend, everybody. Bye.